わさびアニメすごいですね The views and opinions expressed during Convention Nerds are solely those of the personalities, hosts, and or guests appearing on the broadcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Green Mustard Entertainment Inc. or any other agency, organization, event, partnership, employer, or company. And we're live, supposedly. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the very first attempt at our podcast for Convention Nerds.、Um, <laughs> We'll see、Very、how long it works. Yes, yes the, number one. The, 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 we'll get right into things. You know, watch this with the first thing we say ever on this show.、Um, Ken, my co host, and I have a, a huge pet peeve with events. And our huge pet peeve is when conventions launch and the first things they do, first thing they do is call themselves the first annual something, something, something. There's the no such thing. It、It's、is the inaugural.、Right. The inaugural. The inaugural. Inaugural. Soft A. But not first annual, because you can't be a first annual if it's the first time out. But this is our first ever Convention Nerds podcast.、Um, uh, just a little background、uh, to start with.、Uh, my name is Tom Kroom.、Um, my first Star Trek convention was、uh, in 1989. Yes, I have to keep notes on when I started going to conventions because I'm that old now. Um, but I went to my first Star Trek convention in 1989.、Um, then I met a really pretty girl who liked anime、uh, in the late 90s. So I started going to anime conventions and,、uh, and went to a show called JCon, which was the Japanese animation convention in Orlando, Florida. And, and that's where I met Ken.、Um, and、uh, by bombing one of his Transformers panels with Truth,、uh, we、uh, started keeping in touch after that. I went on after that to create an anime club. Back when anime clubs still existed, called Wasabi Anime.、Uh, and the goal was to, to try to unite all the clubs in the state of Florida, because back then it was、uh, the Wild West and civil wars were breaking out.、Uh, and、uh, since then, Wasabi Anime、uh, became、uh, Green Mustard Entertainment. And about five or so years ago,、uh, I had to quit my job in order to work、uh, full time, going to conventions, standing on stage, and talking about giant robots. And、uh, Japanese schoolgirls.、Uh, so that's kind of me.、Uh, so now I'll toss this over to Ken.、Uh, yeah, so、uh, I'm Ken Navi.、Uh, Joey Stackpants Esquire is what I went for it by for a number, number of years. But since this is an actual professional show, we'll stick with real names.、Um, and、uh, like Tom had mentioned, I've been doing conventions for quite a while. My first convention was Orlando Con 84, that was up in Winter Park, Florida. And I bought a copy of Teen Titans George Perez run number one. And I thought that was the best thing ever when I bought it.、Um, and then I started getting into anime conventions after、uh, I yeah, spent a little bit of time working at Disney and then、uh, broke up my girlfriend and tried to figure out what I was going to do. And、uh, the JCO was still running on the University of, of Central Florida campus. But they had a division on the west side of Orlando, Jayco West, and started with that group where all we did was watch Robotech and、uh, Star Blazers. And、uh, in 1997, went to my first anime convention, Anime Week in Atlanta. And we went in 97 and 98. And then in 99, we went, hey, we can do this too.、Uh, and we founded Jaycon、uh, September of 2000. We expected about 200 people. After our third run to the Kinkos to reprint con guides, we were about 525 people.、Um, and we ran that for almost, wow, for 10 years,、uh, 2000 to 2009.、Uh, and then、uh, I did Wasabi Anime of Florida with Tom.、Um, and uh, then, uh, you know, now we, we do convention stuff. You know? Yes. <laughs> We go to and, other and, places, do convention stuff. <laughs> yes. And, and I want to say my, my, my favorite factoid about JCon,、uh, for this show at least, is、uh, well before the Avengers did it,、uh, what was the name that we came up for the very last JCon? Oh, Endgame. That's right. It was a ten, we were going to go 10 years. Yep. And we knew it was <laughs> and, the last one. So we called it Endgame. And we still have、uh, pending legal against the Disney Corporation for stealing our event name.、So. Yeah. We named all the conventions. There was JCon and the year. And then the final year we went, it was JCon X Endgame. Because、yes. <laughs> it was the 10th year. It was great. But just to, to, to lay the groundwork, so, so、um, speaking when we started with Sabi Anime and everything else, one of the、mm-hmm. things、uh, I wound up working on was something called Project Anime,、uh, which was an annual conference that was designed 
with Anime Expo, the SPGA in Los Angeles, to start conversations with convention runners, uh, you know, and, and treat this very niche industry as an industry. Um, and it was great being a part of that, but immediately after doing that, I started trying to think of other ways to do so. So in 2013, uh, Ken and I came up with doing a conversational podcast called Convention Nerds. And back then it wasn't like video. It was like, oh, we're just gonna record it and it'll be fun. Um, but it just never came to fruition. Um, so this is literally a broadcast seven years in the making uh, in order to come. And uh, the goal is uh, every episode, uh, which we do Tuesday nights, we want to talk to somebody uh, heavily involved with a convention um, and learn not only more about their convention, but as we learn doing so many shows, you know, I get to do, uh, you know, very lucky. I know that uh, at least 10 shows a year in eight to 10 different states and provinces. And if there's something I've gotten to see in doing so, it's that you can think you know the whole world of conventions, but when you see it from the perspective of other states, other provinces and other organizations, you know, we all have our own version of that world and we can all learn from each other by, by talking about it, um, which kind of segues well into uh, our guest tonight. Um, uh, Hilton, you want to introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about your show? Yes, uh, Hilton George uh, from BlurredCon. Uh, the derivative of uh, two words, uh, or three words, a black nerd convention. Uh, it's a comparatively new term for what definitionally, if that's a word, uh, is as old as nerddom, technically. And uh, it was a word that came out of uh, one of everybody's favorite show, Scrubs. And everyone's favorite character in that show, Turk, uh, came up with this idea uh, with this word because this is scene where he's trying to operate this brand new high-tech camera which when you see the slide that I use in my PowerPoint it's not high-tech now but then it was kind of like complicated and he's got like everyone waiting to take this picture and he comes around and he's like I can do this I can do this and like what makes you think you can do it? and he's like well my cousin just so happens to be the world's biggest blurred and then like all the other cast members who were white, pause, they're like, what? And he does that dramatic comedy pause and he goes, a black nerd. And so that's the first time the word blurred kind of made its way into the lexicon and it just kind of like made its way out and people started self-identifying um, with the term. And as a cosplayer and a long time, you know, uh, uh, anime fan, I was getting nostalgic. You were talking about the old Harmony Gold days of, uh, <laughs> of uh, Star Blazers and uh, Robotech, you know, was my intro. Before it was even called animation, it was called Japanimation, uh, you know, where we just like, you know, you kind of had to get what you get. There was no shows. There was no Adult Swim. There was no Toonami. Mm -hmm. You know, Back when we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow to the anime shop to get VHS. There it games. is, and, and fight off that grizzly bear with the spiral notebook, the whole nine, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. old days. And, um, you know, so coming up in the, uh, in the late, you know, the later 2000s, coming back to conventions mm -hmm. after my run, uh, you know, as a younger person who was more into his nerd than I took a nerd break when I went into the army and then I got cool in college and I thought it was phase. and I came back and, uh, you know, I started noticing how diverse the con crowds were. I saw people mm -hmm. from every background and every stripe, you know, every orientation, every sexuality, every race, every shade, regional, you know, the, the you know, you go to some of these bigger cons in the metro areas and you just see so much diversity you know, in the crowds. And I was wondering, like, how does myself as a black nerd find myself on the stage, on the dais, on the guest list, you know, the subject matter in the conventions, you know, that they're discussing, you know, how do I, you know, find something that's right for me? Now, my motto has always been, you know, be the change that you want to see. You know, I don't sit around going, boy, I wish cons would do this. So I you know, started submitting panels, I started networking with con runners, and I came up with this idea to make a convention that would highlight and celebrate, you know, not just the black nerd uh, you know, culture, but also the intersectional, which was LGBTQ, people with disabilities, mm -hmm. uh, veterans, uh, international blurs, you know, everyone is not just one or two things. So we wanted to mm -hmm. kind of figure out how do we make this well-rounded, exciting experience. And as Tom will, will know, cause he's been with me for a while, you know, kind of 
watching from the wings, uh, helping out in a lot of ways. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, you you go into these things with no sense of self-preservation whatsoever. You just, and I walked in blind and I walked, the first place I walked technically was Project Anime. And I stood up in that crowd and I see when everyone did their intro and said, hey, my name is Hilton George and I run a con that hasn't happened yet. And I sure would like somebody to help me out. And it gave me my intro and helped me avoid a lot of potholes uh, in planning the convention, recruiting a team, you know, uh, setting up the structure uh, to make it all work. And we're coming up on what is technically our year five here in DC, but okay. will be the actual fourth iteration because we all had to skip for right. coronavirus at the Hyatt Crystal City in Arlington, Virginia. Oh yeah, no, we, we, we made our annual joke earlier in this, uh, in this uh, <laughs> broadcast and annual as a term for pop culture events is pretty much off the table at this point, except for you know <laughs> that small group that squeezed in the beginning of the year, so. That's us. <laughs> But, okay, so it's blurred con. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, George, uh, Hilton, are you the founder? Are you the president? What, what's what's your official role, or what have it, what have you evolved into? <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely co-founder. Uh, okay. I came up with the idea, created the convention on paper, and I went to a friend of mine. I went to college with uh, Hassan Parrish. Uh, you know, he had his JD, you know, went to law school, you know, was oh, wow. business minded. And mm -hmm. I hit him up and I say, hey, man, I got this idea. And, you know, I, I want to pitch it to you. You tell me what you think. I need some help, you know, on the business side, getting everything together. And uh, I did this whole write up, you know, I know I've known him 20 years. But I'm whoa, whoa. Did you do an actual like real business plan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like what out. you're really supposed oh, yeah. to do. <laughs> no, I wanted to make sure he knew how serious I was. <laughs> And not like some harebrained, you know, you know, Sanford and Son get rich quick scheme, you know. And so I wrote it all up, you know, because oh, he wasn't really active yeah. in the nerd space. So, I, you know, you got to when you go in for sponsors or if you're working with the city or you're working with, right. Right, right. Body, yeah. you know, you got to say this is a convention. This is what nerds do. This is what they look. And they're just like, what is that? You know, so I pitched the whole thing. And I said, I, I want to do it in a year and a half. We went a year and a half out from the con day one. And we just spent the first eight months just getting incorporated, you know, right. getting the copyrights wow. and getting yeah, the domain the right names way. and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I didn't put out a flyer. Let me, real quick. Let me yeah. cut in real quick. Hilton, just for the record, so Ken is laughing a lot, but we want to point out, you're an anomaly. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, found that out. I found that out. I didn't know. Hey. To L, most of these shows take off and run, which is the, my buddy and I are going to do it. Um, or we, you know, it's our club is going to do something or we hate that other show. Let's do it better. So the fact that one, you had a business plan two, you tried to do the impossible, which we've all done, uh, and explain to, uh, a property or a city what a nerd convention was your experience. And of course they never get, you know, what they're saying. Um, but, but three, the fact that you did it correctly and, and now you're still here is just absolutely amazing in my eyes. So I'm just going to give you yeah, a I mean, for that. To begin. When we did JCon, we, it was five guys put all on their credit card and we didn't incorporate until you're five. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if the first year had gone belly up, I would have been declaring bankruptcy. So, I mean, that was, but that was 2000. I mean, right, things have right. changed quite a bit since then, you know, yeah, we didn't yeah. have cell phones back then, you know, uh, in the before yeah. time in the long, long ago. Oh, oh we yeah. did they were just they, they were nokias and they lasted a week but you couldn't send Flip messages on, we still have to, to carry those big brick radios on our hips with oh the know, brick radios oh, oh the ones that got hot when you called long distance like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those, i remember those that <laughs> didn't charge fast enough you talk <laughs> yeah and the charger would it would charge it fast enough that. oh i feel old oh man <laughs> yes. So yeah, from the from the structural standpoint, you know, we went in blind, and mm -hmm. you know, I I never knew what was behind the curtain. Now, to be fair, I had maybe fifteen years of events production and promotion okay. and management experience, but I knew that this would be the most complicated and and you know faceted, multifaceted right. event that I would have ever worked. In. I mean, I've done fashion shows, sporting events concerts okay. you know the whole nine but you know when you're talking about a con you know you can have like 18 different separate events happening within the umbrella right. of one convention oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. how to do that and do it right and not retread anybody else's mistakes you know what it is i did the bob rumsfeld 
I knew that there was thing there was the known unknowns and the mm -hmm. unknown unknowns. And I walked right. in knowing that there was a lot of stuff I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know. Right, exactly. And I just was like, okay, if I can just get a, a vector of where the, the, bump, the bumpers are on here, then we can start moving forward. And so structurally for me, I wanted the con to be on par and be as fun and be as energetic as the cons I love to go to. You right. know, I was yeah. going to MomoCon and DragonCon and, and MAGFest and KatsuCon and, you know, they were doing the all night parties and they were right. having dozens of panels and the cosplayers and, you know, the hype guests and everything. And I said, I, I want to start at that scale. Doesn't mm -hmm. have to be that size, right? but, right. you know, just kind of have that, that framework. And I knew that that was going to be more than, you know, hey, let me just call everybody I know. We meet at the Holiday Inn Day Room and, you know, we kind of build outward from there. And so we kind of went in with like a like a real serious focus and building. Well, let me up. let me jump in and ask you a question here then. So, you know, I my first convention was uh, Ken had his name. Mine was Trek Fest. Right. which was in West Palm Beach. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, I wasn't even old enough to drive. I was uh, sitting in the passenger seat of a Trans Am uh, driving with an older older friend of mine. Um, when you started conceptualizing Blurred Con and you said you, you liked the culture, everything else, is there one con in particular that you looked at and you went, okay, this is the model I want to do, but apply it to, uh, you know, a, a cross section of, of you know, the, a, a niche within a niche culture? Which, was there one con that stuck out the most? I was actually standing, if you've been to MomoCon and the World Congress Center and the way their layout is, there's, there's, there's two tiers, well, three tiers. You have the main tier when you walk in and then you can look down on the masses as they go into the third tier down, which is where a lot of the stuff is. And that's where like yeah. all the crowd is. Right. I was literally standing on the railing looking down when the word, the term blurred con came to my head. And that's where it kind of just, popped into my head um and i was just like i said i was looking at the structure of it you know i said look over here okay there's there's panel rooms and there's different subject matter and there's guests and there's you know everything from workshops to you know uh self-help to you know your favorite uh, voice actor then there's video games indie video games there's Japanese video games, there's, you know, there's anime screening section over here, you know, I was kind of like, I, I love all of it. And I was like, I, how could, I mean, and this is always the question with a niche market, right? And, and you say to yourself, how do you take that, which is universally participated in by black people, white people, and everyone else, Oh no! Hilton oh no! Gross. We may aliens may have grabbed. Uh, wait, Hilton. wait. We get to, we get to, wait. Do, do, see do, the do, stall do. until he comes do, back. Do, 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 everyone do, 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 wait, well, right, you know okay. what I mean? You're really, Hilton, you've got to back up thirty seconds because you just froze and then showed up oh, out of nowhere with literally, literally. You started explaining. You froze and froze. then came back with. And you know what and I mean? Don't you Comcast? Hey, we might need them as a sponsor. Watch it. So. Basically what I said was, you know, they had all of these different facets and how do you take the, the, the black nerd experience right. and put that, that top spin on the ball so that, you know, it stays a nerd convention, but with a black nerd flair. And what is that? Because it hasn't really been hard defined. It hasn't been written that these are the things that you might do to to kind of put that type of a, of a tweak on a lot of what is now, obviously you know the easiest and lowest hanging fruit is to feature lots and lots of black cosplay right uh, but you know that will only go so far you know it's like okay you gotta come down to the music with the djs and it's gotta uh, come down yeah, okay yeah yeah you know the the if you're gonna have food trucks you know hey do you have like soul food food trucks, right, yeah, yeah. Jamaican food trucks, you know, how do you kind of bring that energy in? And, uh, you know, with the first year coming in, we weren't really sure what it was going to do. Now, here's the thing. We had a marketer, a marketer's wet dream. Okay. Marketers love when you look at a brand mm -hmm. and people project onto your brand, be it Pepsi or Coke or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they 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 project onto it all of their highest ideals mm -hmm. and their 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 greatest aspirations. Uh, we had that, 
but that means that the bar was set higher to meet expectations because everyone was going to be coming in with a slightly different take on what the ideal black nerd convention was going to be. So we threw the, in, the kitchen sink at the comp. Like we just tried to do everything in year one to see what stuck. And uh, that, was, that was tough, that, that took a lot. We did over 125 panels in our first year, uh, which, you know, just, that was, yeah. That was <laughs> Wait, so you did 125 panels. How many, how many attendees did you have? And of course, the big question oh. in the convention is, turnstile numbers, unique noses, you know, that. And, and real quick, stuff. Hilton, your mic keeps brushing up against your neck piece. If there's this some is, way you can move okay. it. Okay, yeah, I can yeah. move it. All right, watch this. Perfect. Hold on. I'm going to go silent for like. Do, do, do. Oh, look at him. There He's you go. himself. So I want to know it's what like, the hell that thing is around yeah. his neck. Like I'm, it's like I'm on the news. It's like I've, yeah. I've done this before. I'm that guy at the crime. Hello, <laughs> oh, officer. <laughs> Got a story to there. tell. You went there. <laughs> oh, I love talking. Oh, man, that guy ran down the corner. You would have never believed <laughs> Okay. So Say something too real loud. Yeah, you, you sound a little blown out there. So blown yeah, I remember out how we had you change your mic level before the show. Okay. Now we moved your mic. So now we got to change your mic level again. Now it's like, you know what? I'm going to fix it. Watch this. Fix That's it on the fly. Better? Yeah. Welcome to the first show, folks, where we know, fix things. Better, Danielle? Let's see. Try to figure out how much of my 3D right. printing rig is on camera. Yeah. Okay. I think it's because you have it inside there. It sounds like it's, it's in a tunnel. inside the mask now. That's the, the fun part. Yeah, How's so that? you can still pull it out and like hang it right at the edge. No, he's good. He's good. Perfect. He's good. All okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Hey, if everybody can hear right. it. Longs is not bumping, you know, too loud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's much, um, yeah. So um, where was so it? So we're talking, you had 125? Oh, yes. So uh, uh, I'm going to jump before, before his 125 panels. How many programming rooms? Oh, huh. <laughs> uh, eight. So okay, okay, <laughs> still that's a lot for a first year show. Good. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good. I mean, it's a good number. Like, like I said, it's like whoa. All right, let's yeah. get these people moving. Get out of here. All right, people, we got to go. Um, so what happened was is that we, you know, I'm talking to experienced con runners from all right. of the 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 oldest and most veteran cons, and they're like, okay, look, Hilton, plan for 600 people. If you get 600 people, you go budget for 600. Plan for 600. Any successful con from Otakon to, to Anime Expo, you know, you, your first con, you get your 600. And we went into the con day, or it was the first time ever doing it, went into the con day one with uh, 625 badges sold. And so we were like, oh, okay. great, wonderful. This is good. Right, you know, we're, we, we, we've hit that mark. This is respectable. We, we, can, we now have an, a successful first year. And people will be able to say we can six hundred twenty-five pre-sales. Pre-sale, exactly. So, but we didn't know about door sales. Eighteen hundred. Is that yeah. what came in? That's three to one. Three yeah. to one. It's always three yeah. to one. <laughs> yeah. But we only had a thousand badges. Fun story. So, uh, <laughs> been there. So been there. <laughs> we were not. We did not have the cojones to go and buy like two thousand badges. I'm like, come on. You know, they cost like. 50 cents a piece. It's a big investment. Yes, you it is. Yes, it is. Collectible and not like some piece of paper that right. rots and falls off. People collect them. So we really did want the, the badges to be nice. So we did spend a little bit of money on it. So we got a thousand and you know, the line is running. They're like, Hilton, Hilton, what? I was like, we're out of badges. Now I'm mad because I think somebody stole or lost the, the, the box of badges. And I'm going to, you're freaking the quick market and we ended up having to run down to the uh, Target and not Target, but the uh, Staples to get wristbands and all that. So high class problems, absolutely. Oh no, no, first world problem. Every, yeah. you had it the first year, but historically, having because we've designed and run like five, seven different incarnations of shows, every show always has what we call the bump year. Right. And the bump year is okay. This is my growth track. This I know what to project for. I bought this many, and then you show up, and suddenly you're like, oh. I need more. And and yep. in the old days, we haven't had to deal with this in a while, I'll be honest with you. But all I remember is going similar, we went to Staples, buying a laminating machine and then <laughs> right. just printing out and cutting these things and like just just take them to registration and printing these suckers the out. The first J-Con, we laminate them on demand. We were oh, printing wow. them with their names and laminate on demand. And oh, we the old school laminators. 
Yeah, and we were only expecting uh-huh. 250 people and 500 show up. And, yep. and cash control had no idea what we were going to do with all the money. It's Didn't like it's think about the, a cash the, box above like $100 of ones and fives. We're like, oh, that should be fine. You know, we were thinking 100, 200 tops are going to come <laughs> after. <laughs> You know, we're, you know, we don't have to go to Bank of America. We're going to bug those people. Oh, no, no. But, but you know, Hilton, just to throw, throw the age card out here, when we were dealing with these problems back in the before time, ATMs weren't always, wouldn't be yeah. able to receive cash. You couldn't put oh, yeah. cash into an ATM. We take it out. And banks weren't open Saturdays or Sundays. Right. Oh. So you oh. can't do like, and we oh, were on we a university. cash on Saturday. Get rid of it Saturday. So we oh, were on a university. Wow. So we were the university credit union. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't open up until Tuesday. And- Ooh. We were pa- we didn't know how to handle cash control, so we were passing big wads of ones in a Rama one half VHS tape because it was the only <laughs> thing that we had. The case to we're like where are we get in a clamshell and run. And it, yeah, it was we, we were passing off the the, the videotape box because no one knew what to do with it. I'm I'm in the night deposit shoving envelopes full of ones in the night deposit slot, hoping that somebody's getting because I wasn't gonna. You know, what was I going to do? Throw a bunch of you would have thought I was a stripper with the, I was with say, the number of singles. Like you're on the strip club. <laughs> yeah, this new strip club down the street is that Jim, the guy that runs it? Look at all those things <laughs> running there. But oh, there was again those unknowns that you don't know. You don't know. It's like you don't know. We were the second anime convention in Orlando, and we weren't speaking to the first anime convention, so we had no idea what their problems were. And you know, cash control was the first big one, badges, con guides. You know, we were we were only scaling to we were only scaling the triple digits, you know, and you don't learn that three to one ratio until maybe year two or three, because you think, oh, it's yeah. a fluke. No one thought they were coming. But I mean, Tom, I mean, we were doing it all the way through to Florida Anime Experience. We were still running a two to mm-hmm. one, if not three to one ratio on pre-sales. To, well, we, to yeah, because we saw we saw a shift in the age of um, Internet sales became more right. prevalent because, again, going back to old people time. JCon, the early days of JCon, registration was send your check in the mail with a form. <laughs> yeah, wow. and we deposit yeah. the checks. Wow. And you deposit the checks. Does when, anyone when under the age launched, of 30 even know how to fill out a paper check? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? So you remember when we met at Project Anime? The reason Eventbrite was there was because I, pre existing that, we had a relationship with Eventbrite because right. they were just like, we're going back to like mid 2000s, early right. 2000s, when they were launching. We were like, hey, we can figure out how to make this work for our convention, but we were an anomaly. We weren't their market, which is when I got them involved with Project Anime going, hey, I know you're talking to like five of us, but there's 500. Um, but prior to that, it was people would send cash in the mail. We would get, you'd get an envelope with like $40 cash and a piece of paper filled out. And we'd have to, that was your registration form. And we, we allowed group rates because I mean, we can Atlanta group rates. So if your club got together, you end up getting a 20% discount. So we would get a big wad of cash with one form with everybody's name on it. We didn't start taking credit cards until 2005. Oof. I mean, people, we were full people cash People would operation. mail wads of cash, of cash in the U.S. mail. Yeah. Wads of cash. Wads. I, I was yeah. just like, what the Oh, hell? my gosh. It's you crazy. Know, it, it's, it's Wild it's, West. It was truly the Wild West. I can only imagine because, you know, the, the thing about the and – I, and I always start and finish with this when I call it the community. Mm-hmm. I think it's different from, you know, there's a lot of businesses and conferences or whatever you want to, you know, format that don't deal with their base as a community. Right. It's a market. Right. And mm-hmm. this isn't a market. It's a community. It's a network of people with a shared and common experience, even though they, they're different region, age, all this stuff. You know, we all come in and we're experiencing the same convention. And it's so funny because, you know, you, you see the same enthusiasm on the faces of attendees if you're at a well-run and right. well-heeled small convention or large convention. And that's a very, you don't see that anywhere else, you know, in any, any right. other type of dynamic, not concerts, not amusement parks. No. You know, it's, this is like, you know, where the community comes together. And yes, there's anime and yes, there's video games and cosplay and all this stuff. But underlying all of that is that the community wants to be together. And these are in part vehicles by which to bring the community together to see and talk and connect with one another in, in times that they don't do 
uh, because most of us are muggles in our day job. Not not Tom. He's doing this full time now. But, <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> most of us got to put our muggle suits on and go right. to work. And, and yeah. you know, someone says, you know, you hear an anime phrase, you know, two cubicles down. You kind of do the, the meerkat thing where you pop your head up and go, like, did you like <laughs> this year? Was that H- Cowboy Hill, Hill, have you learned you know? TikTok yet? Do you, are you on TikTok? No. No, I've seen it, but I haven't. Okay, you know. there, there's there's a popular TikTok of um, it's two women and they and it's always two girls that do the thing next to it. And they go, "I like your dress." Oh, I like your dress too. It's like, are you, are you, are you gay? Yeah, I'm gay. And that's that's kind of the same. Like whenever if you ever find this video and anybody watching knows what I'm talking about, it's, it's a popular trend. It's the same thing. It's when you're sitting, you know, in an office, and it happens to me, uh, you know, when I'm around town, like I'm wearing, right. you know, my All Might shirt or yep. something like that. And you'll have the, oh hey hey that's 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 my hair. I was like, oh are, are you, are you? Yeah yeah, I'm an anime fan. Oh you are too. And then yeah, it's it's it is. And you know, I think you hit the word on the head. It's it's community. And 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 the best uh, you know, you got me thinking about the analogy to it. Of you're right. I'll go to uh, a concert. Like you know, I'll, I'll go see like Guns and Roses. But it's not like when you get to the concert, everybody's like, well, here's all the Slash fans are hanging out all together and all the Axl Rose fans right now. Convention is its own beast in the fact of, hey, you know what, are you uh, furries? They're all hanging in that corner. Okay, cool. Well, you like your um, video games? Cool, there's that, you know, and, and they do. It's it's like a congregation within a congregation, which is why I think your convention is so fascinating because it's, it's a niche within a niche, right, niche. and then another niche. Right, so, right. you know, it's, it, you know, my, my Michael B. Jordan is a huge, you know, anime Naruto fan. And, you know, uh, there's a huge black community following for shows like Dragon Ball, stuff like that. And we see it at our shows. You know, we, right. you know, we're not specific to anything, but, um, you know, it's exciting for me. We're in Jacksonville uh, for one of the shows we own, um, unlike Portland, you know. So we have a show in Portland, show in Jacksonville. Portland, all the white people you can think of. Jacksonville, you have a lot more diversity. And it's amazing when you see everybody show up and you all, I guess the best term is you all find each other, if that makes sense. And so in your experience of doing with BlurredCon, I mean, it's, and you said, now you started as black nerd, but you said it also blends into, to other just, uh, you know, minorities within the culture. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Uh, So it's funny because we have like these in-house conversations in the black community around issues of race, believe it or not, because if you are half black and half Asian, you know, there's, there's a, there's a whole other cultural experience happening in your mm-hmm. household, including the black experience. And mm-hmm. if you're mixed white with black, or if you're mixed, uh, you know, Portuguese with black or whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, and then there's the disability you know, question, you know, you know, if you're, if you're a black person who is a nerd, who is wheelchair bound, you know, you have these commonalities with the black nerd experience, but you also have this entire world of experience uh, in navigating the world as a person managing life as, as a disabled person. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's generational, you know, I always felt like, you know, I mean, we're joking about being, you know, older and stuff in here, but, you know, there are, there are, are, you know, there's a nerd population in their 70s. Now, they may not be out in force, you know, at cons, but, you know, you see them, you know, they, they really do enjoy the space. And one of the things that we, we tried to do is say, okay, listen, I am me, your con chair, a black nerd. I'm also a veteran and all this right. other stuff. So there's certain things that I can talk to, uh, but I can't talk to the Afro-Latina experience. So I'm not going to try and put together any programming that from my perspective is going to be genuine and sincere. Right. Right. I'm going to find another, either exactly. there's a convention for yeah. that or there's a club, an organization. And I'm going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this block of programming or presence and have you speak to that. Uh, LGBT experience, you know, I don't have that. I can't speak to that. So we find an organization and say, hey, come on in here. We'll give you 10 panel slots. You know, you can talk about all the stuff that, that, that is relevant in the nerd space for the LGBT community. And so when the person walks in, you know, because, you know, the, you know, we don't have this monolithic black nerd experience either, where regionally, if I, I was in Harlem, I'll give you an example. I was in Harlem on a panel for Con Runners, and I had to remind the audience uh, that 
you know, growing up in New York, you don't feel any absence or isolation for being black or brown because you can you can find your people mm-hmm. anywhere you want. If you you can walk this 17 blocks of Harlem where you don't have to see anybody but black people, black owned businesses and black owned mm-hmm. comic book shops and all that. Now, the black nerd who's from Ames, Iowa, right. their experience with the black nerd experience is completely different. Right. And yet they, you guys are going to be in the same building. So how do we cater an experience that's going to be stimulating for people who are more comfortable incorporating their, their ethnic identity with their nerdness and their fandom with someone who maybe has never seen more than five black cosplayers in a room? And you see them when they walk in, like, I've never seen, like, oh, my God, there's so many people. And then, you know, a guy struts by and who's from, like, Queens, and he's like, oh, yeah, look at this, pretty cool, all right, you know, whatever. And so you have to kind of ride that, that middle ground so that it's, it's, it's stimulating and it's fun, and that's the next thing. No matter what you do with your niche, no matter what kind of messaging that you're putting forward or what your mission is, at the end of the day, your con has to be fun. You know, I can't, you can't come, you can't come to my con feeling like you've been assigned a book report. And you say what you can't go to be preached to the whole time. And and... no, no, you really have to have fun. And, and the real key is, is that, and and I'll, and I'll tell you this because, because Tom and I've had this conversation, you know, I think there were a lot of, you know, because we have some experienced people from the con world who are white and other races who have helped us, who sit on committees, who help right. with our vendor hall, you know, so we got volunteers mm-hmm. of, of every race and stuff. But I feel like there were a lot of people who were interested in what this experiment could do. And how can you, or can you create a black nerd experience as an entire con or even within a larger con right. without alienating other members of the community? Yeah. And what we discovered is that, you know, when people come in, and they, they, if one, if it's fun, two, if people understand what they're walking into, you know, there is a certain humility that somebody who maybe doesn't know anything. I've had parents who have adopted black kids come in and say, look, we're here because we want him to see more people like him because he's not necessarily gonna see it in his home because that's not who we are. Or, you know, people who are coming from, you know, other parts of the country who've never seen like a, a con like this. So we just have that responsibility to make it fun, make it open, educational, mm-hmm. and I guess I hate the word, but nutritious. I don't know if that's the word. You know, you walk out knowing more than you. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Walk, right. Well, you know. Well, I, I think we've seen. You know, and me personally, I mean, I'm I'm about as you know, fifty uh, percent of my upbringing was my family is from the South. You know what I mean? And they're mm-hmm. South white yeehaw, and the other half of me is is first generation American. I'm Polish immigrant. And so my exposure to anything in that culture is limited. And, and I've known that, you know, growing up, what I've seen a lot of trends of, and, you know, I think BlurredCon was kind of an early, early uh, jump into this is especially in fandom, um, you're starting to see where pop culture is creating more inclusion to be passively right. entertaining. Um, right. Did you see, uh, did you get a chance to watch a show uh, on Netflix called Space Force? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so there's a scene in Space Force um, where uh, there's an Asian character. It's a guy is driving a black woman somewhere, and they're in the van, and he starts effing with her by joking about. Uh, so Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is the sequel to Full Metal Alchemist, and she's getting all pissed at it. And he's like, he's, <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't understand, and 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 they're joking. But there's a stat that came up in that, and I forget the term that he used of the rarest coupling is an Asian man and a black woman. And I started thinking of like, you know, I have a pretty decently diverse group of friends. I'm like, do I have any Asian guy friends that are dating Asian or, you know, black women? And it's just something you never think of till sponsored for. So that's the funny aspect of the, uh, it's a funny joke, but it's, it's also, that's a, 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 an anomaly. And then the big one for me, and I've had conversations uh, with, uh, you know, a, black celebrities and friends you know some of my friends mm-hmm. i had zero knowledge about the events when i was watching watchmen on hbo oh and yeah I'm like in oh, tulsa wow. i'm like i was like oh this is because my knowledge of watchmen is oh it's fictional alternate universe or oh this has got to be some fictional alternate universe story and then i started looking online i'm like oh shit this is real and yeah. so 
I think we're seeing more of, and again, BlurredCon's five years now. I've seen just, you know, you've seen BLM come since then. But even prior to that, I think in the past five years, you've seen kind of a, an evolution of, hey, representation is important. You've, you've gotten to see it, we've, you know, with, with uh, you know, Black Panther, things like that. And the more it happens, you know, as just a person watching, you know, from the sidelines, I'm getting more diverse entertainment. You know, I didn't know about the Tulsa thing and Watchmen, but and, it made that, back on, that on what Tom's got. So we've got we've got Watchmen. Now we've got Lovecraft Country, mm. um, which excellent. How is that affecting the whole blurred community? I mean, how are you going to start incorporating yeah. stuff like this? Because I know Watchmen was at that tail end just before everything went to hell in a handbasket in the country. Yeah. Um, how do you plan on integrating stuff like that into the piece because now it's before you know maybe you're having culture bending or that but now you've got yeah black focused excellent nerd style entertainment out there i mean my wife and oh, i yeah. were completely uh glued to watchmen the entire time and now we're starting to watch lovecraft country uh we're huge lovecraft fans here in the house so you know what how how are you going to integrate that kind of stuff into your your show going excellent forward? excellent question and and i got to tell you just just as as you're piggybacking off of what tom was talking about there's two things happening you know there's this rapid expansion of the nerd population because mm-hmm. of the mainstreaming with movies and television and fashion mm-hmm. and and everything uh you know 11 years of marvel movies you know is starting to this generation of people who when you had to hold a, a comic book of the Infinity Wars and go, and then this stone, you know, you're not going to get yeah. it. But now, the, so that's, you know, the expansion of that world is also an expansion of the blurred world. Um, and you're seeing, well, let me back up even further. So Luke Cage and mm-hmm. Black Panther, I forgot about Luke Cage, yeah. yeah. Were watermarks because they made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. One shut down Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. And one made a billion dollars in a month at a time where, you know, even directors, forget about what people thought audiences right. would do, but the in, people within the industry did not see the industry as being open and accepting to shows like Watchmen. Right. Wait, wait, pause, pause for one second. Nerd moment. You guys know about what happens in October with Netflix. It's been two years since the cancellation of Luke Cage and all of those shows. And all the rights are now reverting back to Disney. So right, right. So I'm looking at my Cage Disney fan. Plus, like my my wife has the hoodie signed by the actor. Like we are that big a fan. So hoping they they make their way back. But please continue. Yes, they are consolidating. I I, I feel like you're right, and that will happen. Um, yep. But I think that the that on one hand it's a business thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. that the the authenticity and the the diversity and inclusion, both mm. in front of the camera and behind the camera, is a formula that has been proven to have an audience. So from a, a purely business perspective, right. it is now bankable to say, let's get a Black director and you know, a Black AD and the Black producer, Black writer, to tell an authentic Black story, even within the context of an alternate universe like Watchmen or a alternate offshoot story being told of you know love you know hp lovecraft lovecraft country the book lovecraft country the tv show you know you're starting to see more of that now what has happened since january and this has been just pulling my wig back for for about six months uh one everyone had to come home right everybody is in front of their screens Mm -hmm. and in that environment george floyd happened Right. If it had been November of 2019, it, you know, not saying it wouldn't have happened or the revolution and all this stuff wouldn't have happened, but it takes a while for people to catch on and for things to go viral. Right. And because we were all locked down and we were all at home and we were all looking at our screens, when that happened, the, the flashpoint of it was amplified tenfold. Right. So yeah. you have a crisis that has brought us all into this world where technology has become our window to the world. Something horrible happens that brings us out and in worldwide demonstrations over George Floyd, was never, no one's ever seen anything like this. 
And now you have, and now to be fair, Lovecraft Country was was in production for a year and a half. Right, so yeah, they yeah. know that the timing would be what it is, but they do recognize the market. So BlurredCon is getting phone calls from studios. We were one of the promotional sponsors. All this whole part of my display back here is Lovecraft Country. This is, oh. uh, yeah, we we did. If you follow our social media, you know we were right on the cusp and are still doing promo work for HBO and Lovecraft Country because it is being recognized that the black nerd population, even within the black community, needs more direct marketing, more nurturing, and, and will come out and underpin a, a, and feed the discussion and the ongoing energy uh, in between episodes for shows like Lovecraft Country. Now with, with Fandom uh, announcing the relaunch of Milestone, Oh yeah. As a, I mean, I worked at a comic book store when Milestone first launched. I remember Hardware. I remember Static Shock. I remember Icon. I remember reading those stories. A huge Jay Robinson fan. Uh, do you think all that drove the relaunch? Oh yes. Of, of Milestone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, again, you know, I mean, we. I, I believe just because of the people that I've met at Warner Brothers, and we were part of the fandom team as well. Mm -hmm. We got a whole box of fandom stuff here. I can't fit this hat, so I put it on smaller. Yeah. <laughs> you got a big head like me. <laughs> I got a big head. Yeah, I got a big melon here, man. A lot of water up there. Uh, but you know the the you know the people that I've met and worked with at Warner Brothers, it just seems so sincere in their desire to get it right, mm -hmm. and. Again, yeah, felt that. It, yeah. it absolutely, you know, you can say this is a business decision because they know if they get it right, they are going to solidify a fan base and, and all the stuff that every label and distri distributor and, you know, enterprise wants to do. Uh, but they're putting black women in charge mm -hmm. of outreach. They're putting, you know, people of color in key positions to, you know, put, put the programming and stuff together. And I think they looked at Milestone and said, well, they're all right here. They used yeah. to work here. We own, yeah, we own all this you know, stuff. Why, why are we not leveraging it? Yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? Let's just call them back and have them reactivate and, and reintroduce some of their characters to a generation that, that you know, wasn't part of the, the Milestone revolution. Now, remember, there was a, uh, a documentary about three years ago that came out. I don't know if it was Discovery or History Channel, but it was just, it was just riveting you know, to, for even someone like me who came through the milestone era, right. all I saw was the comic books. Right, right, right. So what do I know, right? But to see what was going on behind the scenes and the stories and, and the path, and, you know, it's like the, you know, the, what is that? The song remains the same. You know, you're mm -hmm. like seeing this, this behind the scenes thing. You know, I think they are seeing that the market is there and the vehicles that currently exist uh, are, an easier way for them to go about and the con space being canceled. Right. You know, you think about it, HBO, Warner Brothers, they're used to doing red carpet stuff, Hall H. Mm -hmm. And when all that went away, they're saying, okay, who's in the who's in the nerd space since we can't physically access it? And they looked at us at BlurredCon and said, Oh, look how many followers you have on your social media. Look at your yeah. your list of of attendees over the four years and all this stuff. And they said, Can we you know, normally they would have been calling us to have guests come to the con, but they had to do so virtually as opposed to physical. Now, if you were to look at all the the figures in in black nerd, the black nerd culture, who would you put forward as the primary? The this is the alpha of the black nerd community. Can One who speaks, yeah. I don't know if we have a spokesperson. Like we have. Uh, like you might say a favorite mm -hmm. actor, you know, I think uh, Jonathan, um, oh, what's his name? Majors mm -hmm. uh, from uh, uh, Lovecraft Country and uh, the, uh, the Five Bloods, um, right. who just got cast as Kang the Conqueror. Oh, uh, wow. in the Ant-Man 3 movie. Yeah, okay. I'm like, oh, there you go. Oh, Kang okay. the Conqueror. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a good phrase. There's a good phrase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh oh. Okay, that's the best. We get the screenshot. Case yeah, we get the screenshot on that one. Wait <laughs> till he comes back. Yeah, good. wait to get Danielle. Okay. Give you the voice. Did everybody come shit. back or did, did I freeze or did y'all froze? You froze. You froze. But this is how you froze. <laughs> yeah, it's a great shot. 
Wait, yeah, that one's that up? one's that one's for the feed. That one's for that. Oh one's yeah, put that on one on the on the on the poster. <laughs> well, um, you're bringing up actors. I, I my go-to is always, and I've already brought him up, Michael B. Jordan, because Naruto fan, openly big about it. Uh, Black Panther. Um, so the guy's way into the nerd sector, as far as I can. And I mean, and though he, you know, nobody ever wants to admit it. Fantastic Four. Um, true. Uh, True. Yeah. That, yes. His his credentials are definitely. Yes. Including people in the movie. It never, yes. it never happened. We don't speak that name here. Uh, so actors, right? Like Michael B. Jordan, the the late great Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, playing the Black Panther. Uh, I mean, we we when we brought Phil Lamar in uh, in at JCon two thousand five, from Sleep Lantern. on him. People really sleep on on Phil Lamar. I, and I didn't realize. When he was doing his, he's pulling the comic books out of his bag. He's talking about what he's reading, what he's doing, and all the other stuff. And I was like, and then I didn't, I completely forgot that he was the voice of Stack Shock at the time as well. So I'm complete. I mean, this was JCon 2005. We're pulling whoever we we can, and you know, we were. It was that was one of those hail mary passes. Can we get Phil Lamar in? And he was excellent, excellent guest. Um, oh, yeah. And. You know, he was really engaging. He was always there and always talking to everybody. And watching Mark Bernardin interview him at the Milestone panel, like he was the voice of one of the characters. Is he really going to be part of Milestone going forward? Who knows? But he's Phil Lamar, and he's there, and he's engaging. And, you know, he's talking to everybody. He knows everything, and he knows the, he knows the industry. He knows what's going on. And he was there as part of that whole piece. And if it's going to go forward, odds are he's going to be there, too. Oh yeah, he's going to be a big part of it. Uh, Cree Summer is another voice actor. Yep. Mm-hmm. So much work, uh, and and you know I know we're short on time, but I'm, I want to make sure that I got this this out because we talk about the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just about having you know these 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 black and brown faces being represented and being actualized and stuff in the nerd space. Right. What I'm hoping that BlurredCon is able to do in the long run is to help, you know, uh, uh, diversify the entire geek space. So, for instance, BlurredCon is in of itself its own world. It's its own personality. Everyone right. who's attended says it's already got its own flavor and it's a niche that people, you know, are coming to love. And that's what happens after four or five years if you're doing something that people like. And God bless us if, if that's something that we've been able to accomplish, me and my team. But what I would like to do is be able to provide information, resources to non-niche conventions who say, hey, you know, maybe our convention is not located in an area that lends itself to representation of subject matter and of cosplay guests and stuff. You know, how do you recommend or do you recommend individuals that maybe can come and be guests or, or be vendors or be guest artists or do panels and i'm like oh yeah i i did this for two cons i said look i'm gonna send you my entire you know uh, uh panel submission list and let you pick the ones you want and i guarantee you if they're local they will want to present at your convention yeah you know they we love everybody loves speaking to the choir everyone loves preaching to right. the choir right but it's even more valuable when you're able to share to an audience that is nascent to to the subject matter. And so if we can provide resources that diversify and create inclusion throughout the geek space and help further the discussion as the world starts to become more diverse, more inclusive, and and more churned with all the things that are going on both in the world and in the art form, then I feel like our relevance will lend itself to the relevance of the con running community, which will then trickle down to the con community and that cycle you know, I, I feel like we have to be a part of the con ecosystem in order to persist. Well, well, Hilton, I'm, I'm somebody watching this podcast right now, and I own a convention, which we know part, most of our demographic, hopefully, are other con runners. And I want to do that. How does somebody get in touch with you? Uh, you can email me uh, at uh, admin at blurredcon.com, or you can hit me on social media. Uh, if you message the Facebook page, Nine times out of 10, I'll be the first one to see it. I'm pretty freakish with my social media. I kind of like, whoa, somebody hit me up. Uh, oh, you have to you be with, with conventions at this. Yeah, people are like, yeah. oh my God, I got you right away. Like, yeah, like I don't have a secretary. I, I'm the guy on the other end of the line <laughs> most of the time. So yeah, you can message me through social media. Uh, 
you know, but like I said, if you, if you wanted to reach me that way and Hey, if you guys know, Tom, Tom, Tom called and texted me when I was three minutes late, I'm telling you, he knows how to find me. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I'm going to check my house. He might be in my home right now. Cause that picture on the upper left looks familiar. He's everywhere. So yes, yes, yes I am in the community. I'm easy to find. And, uh, and I'm really open to, to helping out and lending resources to, to anyone who needs it. Okay. So we're, we're at the five minute mark. So, uh, you know, just real quick. So five years of BlurredCon. Um, tell us about the next BlurredCon that's fiscally happening. Dates, location, yes. you know, shameless plug stuff. <laughs> oh, this is, yes, this yes. is uh, uh, BlurredCon 2021, July 16th through 18th, 2021 at the Hyatt Crystal City in Arlington, Virginia, which okay. is like right next to the airport. So if you're flying in, you can throw a rock from the, you know, from the uh, runway to the Hyatt. Uh, we're going to be in multiple buildings. Uh, you know, we're, we're on the Dragon Con plan. We're going to be in multiple buildings as we grow and not okay. leave the region. We're partnered with, with Arlington and Crystal City uh, okay. to be there in the long term. We're going to be doing outside events. It's going to be really cool. A lot of our guests have already been booked and they've, they have recycled their booking for next year this time. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it was really cool. And, uh, you know, it's 24 hours. It's three days we don't shut down, okay? The, unless there's a power outage, a meteor hits, you know, the capital, the lights will, don't, will not don't, go Do out. not curse yourself. This is 2020. Oh, no, 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 that's right. That's no, right. No. I have been so, at a yeah. convention, a large convention, <laughs> staying at a hotel when there was a water main break and there was no water in a hotel. And they had to help. Give us. Oh so when God. you make a joke, we like won't that, tempt fate. We will not tempt never fate. tempt fate. I've seen no, the will happen. Yes. Not this year, especially 2020. <laughs> and I, and I tell people to come out to the con because, you know, even because I get this question too, like, well, I'm white or I'm Asian or I'm, I'm not black. Can I come? Absolutely. You know, this is like, yeah. uh, if you went to the museum of African-American history, you know, I mean, what is the subject and what is being served up? is black nerd culture. The people who want to consume that, the people who want to experience that can be from anywhere. So, you know, definitely come out, definitely have a good time. And that's what, that's what we've done. We've managed to put together something that is a lot of fun. There's a lot of music, a lot of food. Uh, you know, we really, really do it up. Check out our videos on YouTube. Just put BlurredCon into YouTube and you'll see all the, the CMVs and the MVs and all that stuff is really, really, really well, well represented on YouTube as well. And you guys are on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. It's BlurredCon.com. BlurredCon um, DC and Twitter, BlurredCon on uh, Instagram, BlurredCon, the group and the page on Facebook, and then BlurredCon.com on uh, the uh, World Wide Web. So you get a franchise, BlurredCon West, BlurredCon North, <laughs> BlurredCon Canada. I'm trying to franchise BlurredCon <laughs> singular. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's funny we were actually going to do some some micro pop-ups that was kind of the plan with some of our partner organizations and uh that is one of the things that i'm i have already written up that uh, we can probably do if we partner with other cons like hey we could throw together a blurred party for you and come on out and, and turn up and have a good time so tom's proven that the convention within the convention is a workable model workable model so yes we've done that before uh, Informa bought one of mine and we integrated it into theirs and run it every year with them now in Orlando. And so. let the people know, man, you know, if you're not a con runner and you're watching this, you may not even know, but the con running family is a family. You know, yep. this is an entire subculture of people who just love running cons and creating the con experience and discovering the con family was probably the greatest thing that happened to blurred con in the entire run of the convention mm. world, because we didn't know it existed and then we were like, oh, my God, there's like a whole village of people who just want to see cons succeed because a con that, that is unsuccessful somewhere hurts cons everywhere. We right. want all of the success. We want all the genres to, to win. We want all the con experiences to be positive and all the cons to grow because we, we think we got the win in hand. This is the coolest people are, are the nerds and the geeks and the otaku. So, I mean, come on, you know. And, and you, you've heard me use the term, uh, you know, project animes, and, and I beat the term in the ground. It's, it is a fandom ecosystem and we are an yep. ecosystem and you know it's it's all of us are healthy or you know none of us are and, and especially coming out of 2020 into 2021 you know that's that's part of the joy of getting to start this podcast is we need to start these conversations as we uh, we all come back with the world next year um but that's our show 
So perfect. We made it a full hour. Please give yourselves a, a polite golf clap for everybody. It's exciting. The first episode of Convention Nerds. Um, I want to say thank you, Ken, for uh, for you know uh, getting the kid to bed by eight. And, yeah. Uh, I got five year old. This time. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, Hilton, thank you so much for coming on and talking. It was an amazing conversation. Thanks um, for having me. Again, folks, check out BlurredCon uh, on social media and uh, get some BlurredCon at your own con if you're a con promoter. Contact Hilton. Get in touch because uh, as a, a showrunner myself, it's we need more diversity at all of our shows, in my opinion. So perfect. That's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Convention Nerds. The Convention Nerds logo was designed by artist Caitlin Jane. Convention Nerds is a presentation of Wasabi Anime. This recording is copyright 2020 Green Mustard Entertainment, Inc. To learn more about the show, visit greenmustard.com forward slash convention nerds.